there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. All right. So we're going to find the bodies, is that right? (laughs) Yes. I'm driving through the outer suburbs of Seattle with my editor, Blythe Terrell. (laughs) Blythe's been working on Science Versus for about five years. And yet, still can't quite remember the theme song. (laughs) Where we're driving, there's boarded up houses and wire fences. I guess it's like one degree off a spooky suburb, I think. If just one ghost walked past, I'd be like, this is scary. Yeah, I think that checks out. And this suburb, with its almost haunted houses, gave way to an industrial park, which is where we're headed, to look for one very specific warehouse. Where is it? Then the destination is on your right. On our right. And then we see it. Okay, here it is. This nondescript grey building. And inside it, people are doing something that some find very controversial. And maybe even a little creepy. We're welcomed by a very friendly fellow with wire-rimmed glasses, an office shirt, and a flannel vest that feels like he's ready for a tech conference. His name is Micah Truman. And he shows us around. It's this huge, echoey, industrial-looking space. Yeah, we're not playing wind in your wings here. There's large machines whirring in the background. And all this farm stuff, like piles of straw and alfalfa. And they are going to go inside these containers that we see, which are about the size of a big fridge lying on its side. Yeah, the vessels are here. So what is it made of? It's made of a polycarbonate. It's a polycarbonate that uh, is both incredibly insulating and incredibly strong. There's a rack of these vessels behind us, stacked three high and about a dozen across. So picture a warehouse just full of these vessels. Oh, wow. And what's inside these vessels isn't just stuff like straw and alfalfa. For what's happening here to work, we're going to need one very key ingredient. Your body would rest up to about here. Oh. That's right. Your body. Well, we're going to need a dead human body. Because inside these big vessels... There are people in them. What's happening here? They're composting human bodies. You know, like that thing that people do with leftover scraps at dinner... But this time, they're doing it with us, turning bodies into soil. And this whole process, it takes only a couple of months to get a full human body into tiny flecks of dirt. At this human composting facility, all of this was super intriguing. Like Micah showed me this spot on a composting vessel. It was a vent on the top of the box about the size of my fist. And he gave me a simple suggestion. 
You put your hand here. Oh, it's hot. This is the body transforming into soil. And it's magic. <laughs> it's an absolute miracle. It's crazy. What, what, when you feel that heat, what are you thinking about? Oh my gosh, safe journey to you. You're, you're, it's like, I, I think of it like a, like you're turning, like you're transforming into a new thing, almost butterfly-esque. I'm like, go, go, go. <laughs> go make your, make your transformation. So this is what we're digging into today. Human composting. Why are we doing this? What exactly is going on in that hot vessel? And what happens when cold, hard science collides with our very complex feelings around death? When they walk out with the compost, what is it? Is it still, to you, a human remains? Completely different. Um, it's not a person. It's not at all. Today, we're sticking our science versus shovels into this wild idea human composting. And the reason that this is kicking off now is because it's part of this big push for us to deal with our dead in ways that are better for the environment and better for all of us. It's sometimes called the Green Death Movement. And we got to talking about all this with Bree Smith. Hello, hello, hello. How loud do you talk? I talk this loud. Talk, 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 talk. Who's worked in the funeral industry for more than a decade. I do feel like you're quite measured. I, try, I think that's a trick of the trade, is to be even-keeled. But Brie yeah. has been around dead bodies her whole life. Her mum was a makeup artist who was sometimes called to do prep for funerals. So she'd go down to the local morgue and put makeup on the dead. And little Brie would tag along, see what mum was up to. And I, I remember her curling old lady hair. I just, like, have distinct memories of her with, like, little tiny curling irons and... And I just saw her take them from looking dead to looking a lot less dead. And it was so beautiful. Brie grew up to be a funeral director, which meant she was now dealing with dead bodies all day, every day at work. And she told us that there are some definite downsides to how we typically handle them. Like, take cremation, which is super common in the U.S. Blythe asked her about it. How many people do you think you've cremated? Thousands, probably. I mean, at least over a thousand, yeah. I really don't like cremation. I would do anything to any of my loved ones besides that. One of the reasons that Brie doesn't like it is because cremation isn't good for the planet. When we burn bodies, the carbon inside us goes up into the air. It's estimated that in the US, cremation emits about a billion pounds of CO2 each year. Metals in our body like mercury tooth fillings. They also go up in smoke. Sometimes I would be cremating and black smoke would start coming out of the, the fluke. So I felt very uncomfortable. And then there's embalming, which Americans often do to bodies before burying them. Embalming involves injecting formaldehyde into a corpse to preserve it. But formaldehyde can be dangerous. It's classified as a carcinogen. And embalmers are at a high risk of some cancers, like leukemia and pancreatic cancer, compared to the rest of the population. And Brie, she inhaled this stuff for years. When you embalm, formaldehyde will 
you know, vapors will come up and, and I would walk out of the prep room and my nose hairs would be stiff from like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and that is actually the the embalming fluid went up into your nose. Mm -hmm. It was like in your nose and you would go home and you'd be like, it'd be dinner time and you could still kind of smell the embalming fluid. So a lot of what we're doing now to our dead bodies, it isn't great. Enter greener and less chemically options. Because you see, more and more people are wanting things like a natural burial, which is where you get buried often in a graveyard, but without chemicals, which is something that's always been common in some cultures. And it is a good idea, particularly if you're worried about the environment. But what makes people excited about human composting is that instead of taking perhaps years for a body to decompose, this could be done in just a few months. And then you could take that soil, which is full of nutrients from our body, and use it wherever you like, to grow a garden or restore degraded land. When Bree started really thinking about human composting, she was excited. And she ended up joining Micah's team, who we met at the start of the show. Every little bit of scientist inside of me was enthralled with that entire process. You know, trying to figure out how. This takes us to our next question. How does it happen? How do you turn a stiff into soil in just a couple of months? Well, the brains behind this whole human composting push is Katrina Spade. So Blythe and I met Katrina at a park in Seattle. Hello, Ducky. Where we found out the details of how we are composting humans. Hello. Hello. We found a cozy little spot to sit in. Is that a dead rat? Mm. And got to chatting. So, about a decade ago, Katrina, who's trained as an architect, started thinking about what she's going to do with her body when she eventually dies. And she started looking into those options of burial and cremation and was like, This stuff hasn't changed in, like, a hundred years. Why? Is this the best we can do? And she keeps thinking about it and talking to her friends about it, including one mate who was into composting. And she asked me if I'd heard of the fact that farmers compost whole cows. And I will say that it was kind of like a light bulb, because if you can compost a cow, you can probably compost a human being. Yeah, some farmers compost animals, like pigs, cows and chickens. This happens for a few reasons, like sometimes if the animal is sick and can't be eaten. And this was Katrina's jumping off point. She was like, if we know that we can do this for farm animals, how do we do it for human animals? Katrina starts reading into it, and she finds out that the science of all this is actually pretty fun. So to start with, the real heroes of composting are microbes. The microbes come from the air, and they're on us right now as we speak, and they're on the dead people. I talked to Micah Truman about this too. It's gorgeous, right? And so these microbes kick in and they begin the transformation process. They love heat and moisture and oxygen. These teeny tiny microbes, mostly bacteria, but also other stuff like fungi, basically get unleashed after we die, oozing out chemicals that break down organic stuff, like a dead cow or a corpse. 
And what comes out the other side is soil. But to do their jobs, microbes need just the right environment. Like what Micah said, they love heat, moisture, and oxygen. That oxygen encourages the right kind of microbes to thrive so that you really get the compost going. What we also are going to need here is the right balance of carbon and nitrogen. Humans, horses and pigs, well, we're all nitrogen rich. So to get a good compost, you need to add stuff with a bunch of carbon in it. Think wood chips, alfalfa or straw. So Katrina's reading all this and she's like, huh, we could totally do this with people. There was no question if we could make a human body compost, right? There's no question. I'm not kidding when I say if you can compost a cow, you can compost a human. But now, Katrina had to figure out exactly how she was going to make this work in people. Because when farmers compost a bunch of, say, chickens, they can just pile them on top of each other with some wood chips or whatnot. And at first, Katrina was like, maybe we could do something like that. Well, early on, I had a vision in architecture school for a large collective core composter. It was a big building in which all the bodies would go together. But Katrina thought about it a touch more and was like, well, humans are sentimental creatures. We like to respect our dead. If you're saying, like, we're going to make a giant building where you put all the bodies together, it starts to sound kind of scary. That's gross. No. (laughs) Um, But if you're like, you... When you die, you will be laid to rest in this one vessel. Consider it a hotel for the dead. It's just for you. And your body will stay there for about 30 days with us, and then you'll be soil. That's a much better pitch. Katrina decided to try it out. She joined forces with a team of nerds at Washington State University to help her iron out the details. And together, they concocted a mix of alfalfa, straw, and wood chips to tuck around people's bodies in individual vessels. And in 2018, they started a pilot study to test this all out in humans. So now, they just needed some humans willing to be guinea pigs for all this. The first people to boldly go into their hotel for the dead and be composted. And it turned out finding them wasn't too hard. Look at this lady. She was so great. Oh, can you describe what we're looking at? Yeah, this is a picture of Darby sitting in her living room in her wheelchair. On the side of the wheelchair is a bumper sticker that says, War is the real enemy. And she's smiling very broadly. Darby was 93 when she died. And towards the end of her life, she read about Katrina's work from an article in the paper. And she loved the idea. It was perfect for her to be one of the first. She, in fact, would call me on the phone (laughs) and she'd be like, why is it taking you so long? This was obviously before she died. And at one point I was like, you know, Darby, I know that you mean well, but I'm working really hard. Like, I'm doing my best here. So if you could just be a little gentler. Darby joined Katrina's pilot study. She became one of six people who donated their bodies for it. They were all placed in these big cylinders that were black and plastic. And to balance out Darby's nitrogen-rich body, they carefully added in that mix of carbony stuff. We had laid a bed of 
alfalfa, straw, and wood chips into this vessel and then placed her body onto it with some, you know, a couple of us adults because a, a body can be hard to maneuver and laid her on this bed. And then, then we covered her with more of the same. I think at that point we were using pitchforks really farm-esque, you know, and so covered her with more and then finally covered her face and then, and that was it. And kind of, um, I know I did read a poem. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride. On the day when we actually laid her body into a vessel, this is going to sound so cheesy, there was a double rainbow. I was like, of course, Darby, of course. Over the coming weeks, the researchers in the study carefully managed the compost vessels, adding air so it had enough oxygen, making sure the moisture levels and the temperature was just right and then regularly rotating them to mix it all up. After over a month, Katrina came back to see Darby. And where there had been a body and a bunch of alfalfa, straw and wood chips, now there was mostly dirt. Katrina grabbed a handful. It just was a really nice way to complete her journey. But yeah, I mean, it was really powerful to see that it worked. It wasn't just soil in these bins. Even seven weeks into the process, there were some large bone fragments. Our bones are tougher for microbes to break down than our fleshier, gooier bits. Katrina decided that in the future, she could break the bones down using a similar machine to what crematories use and then return them to the vessel so that the microbes could have another go at them. Overall, Katrina was feeling pretty good about all this. Do you think that you were the first people to kind of intentionally compost a human body in this way? I think so. How does that feel? It's really, it's really, uh, it's so satisfying. It feels amazing. Yeah, it's really kind of moving to me. So, everything seems to be going to plan. Except... But somewhere in the midst of all this sciencing, Katrina ran into a bit of a snag. She got an email from a law professor telling her, I like what you're trying to do, but you should know it's totally illegal. (laughs) Damn it. Unsurprisingly, states in the US have very strict rules about the things you can and can't do with a dead body. And at the time, you couldn't compost one. So Katrina headed to the capital of Washington state, to try to change that. And she brought along some props. A little baggie of cow compost. Like a, pa- like a party favor. Like a party favor. It was really cute. And then we would bring them to Olympia and then kind of walk the halls and any uh, legislator who wanted could have a little box of this stuff and take a look at it. And some would say like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. And then some people would be like, can I smell it? And we're like, of course you can smell it. It smells great, like, like soil. As a side note, That earthy smell is called geosmin, and rather wonderfully, it's made by some happy microbes that are in the compost pile, releasing little baby spores into the soil. That's what makes soil smell so nice. 
And so, just a few years ago, in 2019, Katrina watched as her own little baby, human composting, became legal in Washington. The day that the governor signed the bill, I had my kids in little suits. I was in a suit. My girlfriend was there with me. And we're standing, like, you get your official picture with the governor as he was signing the bill. And we're just, like, grinning. Like, the picture was, like, we're just, all of us are just, like, beaming. (laughs) So that was, that was kind of, like, the pinnacle right there. And now when someone dies, they can be composted. And it's not just in Washington, but other states have started approving this too. It costs about as much or even less than getting cremated. You send your body in, they put you in a container, add things like alfalfa and straw, and away you go. And once it's done, your family will end up with all this soil. If you want to hear more about the mysterious world of human composting, then you've got to head over to our main feed. Just search for Science Versus, that's Science V-S, pop it into Spotify. And while you're there, go check out our other episodes on hydration, say. How much water do you need to drink every day? If you don't know the answer, we'll tell you over at Science Versus. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.